Welcome, 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 you guys, to Behind the Scenes. Bella, this is your girl, Kalai Shireen. I am so happy to be here. This is my very first episode, so I wanted to come into y'all with no guests, just being me, and really just introduce myself to, of course, people who may not know me. I am a West Philadelphia native. I was born and raised, well, I was born in South Philly, I'm about to lie. I was born in South Philly. (laughs) on a Navy base and I was raised in West Philly on 57th and Ray Street where some of the most prominent folks of West Philadelphia have come from. I am just so elated guys like this podcast is literally the benefits of my growth and healing like it took me a long time to come and just be vulnerable with y'all and just literally present my story and bring other people's story who have been behind the scenes of so many great businesses and so many great projects and so many great songs that you guys love and you know some of the products that we use just it's so many people that have developed things behind the scenes that we just don't know about so this platform is I built to just literally showcase the behind the scenes everything that goes on the beauty of it just discussing business and beauty and faith like it's so much behind the scenes in our faith that we go through it's a struggle and people don't really get a chance to see that so I just want to really, really make this what it what it's about to be. It's about to do what it's about to do. It's about to give what it's about to give. You understand? Um, so how I got started, um, basically, I am a ghostwriter, <laughs> a licensed nurse. I am a chef. I am a serial entrepreneur. I am a spa owner here in Atlanta, Georgia, in the Sandy Springs area. I am also the owner of Guideline Girls LLC, which is a... Just I've literally turned that business from nothing into something within a matter of six months. So we I actually scaled that business into six figures within six months. And then we graduated to seven figures within that first year and a half. Okay, so yes, yes, yes. Listen, so <laughs> God is so good. So I just really am using this platform to just talk about business and and how we can really get to the bag and bringing on guests that can really discuss um, some of their journey and what it took for them to be where they are because it's not a crystal stair especially with social media a lot of times we just show y'all the benefits we don't show you behind the scenes of what's really going on in our families the mental health crises that's going on the anxieties that you know our our loved ones may suffer or the depression or homelessness some people have really been out on the streets with no place to go and really built themselves back up from ground zero so we're going to be discussing a lot of that with our guests and just really being vulnerable in business um so that's pretty much what I intend to talk about and also um some of the guests that I'll be bringing on in the future there will be beauty gurus and finance experts and top mentors, business consultants, social media influencers, best-selling authors. I'm bringing it all to you guys. But the first topic that I wanted to discuss was business, right? So I, I really sat down and I thought about two people right now that are, are kind of like trending in business and like real hot in business. And I think they are so inspirational. So I picked two women. And one of the women um, was uh, Coach Stormy. 
Um, she's in business. She's like a internet sensation right now. You got Steve Harvey talk about her. You got a bunch of people mentioning her name. She's trending right now for being high vibrational on her plates. You know, even her meals got to be, you know, vibrating in a high place. So this is a, a person that not just because she's trending right now, but just watching her story from when she actually was developing her confidence really resonated with me. You know, growing up, I was just like one of those people who was extremely confident. And it's kind of hard to identify with those types of people. And just like her past with dancing and all that kind of stuff, it really resonated with me. Another person is Lisa Nichols. Lisa Nichols is like one of the top motivational speakers. She is like, oh my God, I can't even put a staple on this woman. But I remember being inspired by her. She was doing like an interview and she was talking on stage about how she had, um, she didn't have enough money for like her child's diapers and, you know, just being in like this low place. And I was able to identify with her and just really feel like, dang, there's other mothers that's going out here going. And she was just talking about how her teachers was speaking over her, like, oh, I would never be nothing in this, then, and the third. Although my conversations were almost complete opposite of that growing up, it was just like the fact that you let you know, somebody define who you were and have to break through that barrier of constantly being told that you weren't good enough. Like, so shout out to Coach Stormy and shout out to Lisa Nichols. Those two, top two women right there inspired me. Um, I hope y'all got somebody out there that's inspiring y'all. And I wanted to talk about my tip of the week, okay? So my tip of the week for behind the scenes is never let others' opinion define who you are. And I'm gonna let that kind of marinate. Like, never let others opinion define who you are and for me it's like just even talking about coach stormy and and lisa nichols like for me growing up i think that confidence stemmed from i had so many people around me that were like real good people like i feel like god had me like in a shelter very very young and i did experience a lot of things that wasn't cool either like you know and we'll discuss this over the series of the podcast but like being raped and all kinds of stuff like i have gone through seeing people die in front of me going through a lot of stuff but i didn't let the opinions of other people define who i was and i'm going to talk about even the times that i did you know, allow their opinions to affect my movement. So I didn't let it define me, but I affected how I presented myself and what I was willing to share and what I, you know, wasn't willing to give up in that moment. Because I'm like, oh, I don't want them not like me. Oh, what if they think this? And, you know, just forget them folk, right? (laughs) So just talking about, like, me, the first book that I read in my life that I can remember besides, like, the Babysitter's Club. I don't, I'm probably showing my age. I don't know if y'all know about the Babysitter's Club and the Scholastic Readers and all that, right? But the first book that I read, my Uncle Edward, shout out to my Uncle Edward, he had me read a book called The Power of Positive Thinking, and I was 10 years old. And that book literally changed the trajectory of my entire life because it instilled in me to... Like, no matter what was happening to me, I always thought that it was going to work out for my good. I didn't care if this just fell over, that just crashed. No, this is about to happen for me. I don't know, you know, what's about to happen for you, but I can tell you that something good is going to come out of this. So it really just helped me. It helped me with my confidence a lot. 
like so I don't think a lot of my peers could understand especially being 10 years old you got this extra confident girl coming in she want to teach the class she want to mentor this person she want to talk to that person she she overachieving here she got a recommendation here you know that was me you know I was the girl that you loved to hate that was me growing up but having said all of that I still had so much stuff going on behind the scenes that people really didn't know about, you know what I mean? Especially in business. Me growing up, my first job, I was 10 years old in a hair salon, you know what I mean? And prior, and right after that, I started like selling candy. I started selling printed stockings. I don't know if y'all remember printed stockings, like back when the Parasuco jeans was out and the Sergio Chachinis and all of that. Like I was literally always hustling. <laughs> When I went away and in business, I started selling mac and cheese. Like, I went to Job Corps. Shout out to Job Corps. You understand? I got so many people that went to Job Corps and ended up being successful. Job Corps, parents, if y'all really on the fence about sending your child there, send them. I don't know what it's like today in this day and age, but send them. Because it's, it's a really good place and you, and you network with so many types of people. But I was selling oodles and noodles, cigarettes. I remember being so innovative in business that I came home like on a, um, we used to have like little weekend furloughs or whatever. And I remember coming home at that time and I'm a, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. This Can I just be honest with y'all? So I came home and I used to smoke weed back then, right? So I came home and I bought a, a $5 bag of weed and I can remember being up top at Job Corps that I was like, this is a whole lot of weed. This is more than what we get, you know, <laughs> up there. Instantly, my mind, because I never was a consumer, instantly my mind went to, I could roll three top papers with this. So three top papers up top is going, that's $20 a piece. I said, that's $60 from $5. I'm like, that's a $55 profit. Uh-uh, I went back to the weed. <laughs> I went back to the weed, man, and got, I think I bought like a half ounce. And back then, a half ounce, y'all know, it was probably like $50. Now, I mean, I'm out the weed game, but I hear the apes is high and, you know, all of that. But back then, it was $50. <laughs> it was $50. So I took that 50 I went back up top, still had my oodles and noodles. Like, I had my aunt sending me all types of snack packs and everything. Like, they was buying my inventory for me to resell to my, to my friends on campus. But when I bought that weed back and I broke it down, I broke that... I said, oh, my goodness, I made all of this money. I made, a, like, $1,200 off of $50. And I probably smoked a little bit myself, right? So I was always constantly in a – I think being a consumer, some people just born that way. Like, they just like to buy into other people's stuff. But for those of y'all that can identify with being a business owner or having that drive for entrepreneurship or having that hustle, it's just something that in you that you just look at nothing and can turn it into something you know what I mean that's just how you think it's just in you 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 can't purchase that in the store you know what I mean it's just it just got to be in there so for me I moved and I came I came back home and I got I got terminated y'all I ain't even gonna lie I <laughs> listen I went to job court I did do shop complete I got my little money for that I did CNA while I was there I had to come home and take my GED at Temple so I did get my GED but that's another reason why I love Coach Stormy. Shout out to Coach Stormy because when I heard that she was just a person with a GED and made fifty million, I'm like, see, that's what people don't understand. I always would say I respect the GED over somebody who completed high school because you could get through high school just because the teacher like you. 
Like, you ain't do your senior project right. You ain't turning them sounds right. Like, you got through because, you know, Miss McLean liked you. You ain't get, you ain't passed. Like, a GED, you actually got to take that test. Nobody could sit there for you. Nobody could write that essay for you. Nobody could do the multiple choice. None of that. That's on you. You know what I mean? So just having that type of, you know, belief in yourself that you could do it without, you know, without anybody helping, that's, that, it got to really come from within. But just a, a little bit, like, getting into writing, like, my first – first column y'all I was writing for Southwest Philly um, Myers Playground and I started as a junior news editor like that's how I got into ghostwriting I started as a junior news editor and two weeks after me producing articles I ended up getting my own column so they called it Collide's column and they was sending it out to health clinics in the neighborhood um, y'all know the little newspaper bins that they used to have back in the day putting my articles in there I was talking about sex um, marijuana, all of the stuff that, you know, wasn't being talked about amongst kids. And I felt like it was so necessary because I'm like, I'm a kid, but I need, I need y'all to know that we know about this stuff too. So that was so important for me, like just being confident and knowing that my mom used to tell me, God rest her soul, my mom passed this year, y'all. Shout out to my mother, Darlene Cole. You understand? But she used to always tell me, as long as, as long as you know that you know that you know, nobody can ever take that away from you. Like, that's the confidence that you have. So in business, know that you know that you know. Understand your product. Understand what it do, what it's about to do. And can't nobody take that away from you. That's how you sell. Like, you got to know the product. I don't even know who phone it. I done silenced both my phones. So I don't know. It might still be mine. Look, I just got the iPhone. I don't know how I work it. I was Team Android. Shout out to Team Android. Let me see if I can cut it off. Mm-mm. See, they got me. Yep. <laughs> but listen, so that's what I just wanted to really touch on y'all. Like, just giving y'all a little background history. Like, it's so much behind the scenes in business that that really goes on and really shapes and makes a person. Like, our stories. Like, I can remember I used to really like experiences. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I really liked experiences. Like, I remember going to Baltimore and I because I wanted to dance right that's why I said I picked these people for a reason I, I wanted to dance and I was like oh I can't dance in Philly I was like because then you know if I go down there they going <laughs> somebody gonna see me somebody gonna know that it's me so I'm like I can't go down there and dance like mm-mm. I said listen me and my homegirls two of my homegirls we went down to Merlin I remember putting my my glue in, in while my girlfriend was driving by the time I got there my eyebrows was beat. Like, y'all know I did hair and makeup for over 20 years. So my eyebrows was together, honey, in the car. Pulled up. My first night, my first night dancing, I made $1,800 my first night dancing. Like, <laughs> I did it for two. I think I did it for three weekends. I did it for three weekends, y'all. I wasn't, like, heavy in the dance industry. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I did do it. Because I was so interested in money. I was so interested in experience that I was just like, heck, it's something that's on my bucket list, so I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Oh, well, it's done. I I, I liked, I did it, and I liked it, or either I did it and I didn't like it. <laughs> but the best way, I felt like the best teacher was experience. Like, that's just what it is. But my second topic that I want to talk to y'all about is the beauty, right? We talk about beauty behind the scenes, feeling beautiful within yourself. And I'm talking to men too, like y'all could feel beautiful. I told, listen, I ain't got, well, I ain't got no man right now, but I, I would tell my man, 
<laughs> that he's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, that's important. So I think, you know, the two people that really inspired me in terms of beauty and just seeing myself um, for who I was, my Aunt Kim. Shout out to my Aunt Kim. My Aunt Kim, I always put her in my acknowledgments, whether I wrote a book or whatever. I always put her name in there. And I and she's not even my biological aunt. She like she like the hood aunt. She everybody aunt, but she nursed me so much because I lived directly across the street from her hair salon. So she had a hair salon for over oh my goodness, 35 years now on the corner of 57th and Ray. Shout out the headquarters, the original headquarters. And when I tell you this lady, she she it was almost like she just scooped me up <laughs> and, and and just made me like her her little niece like she believed in me so much she gave me my first job in a hair salon um you know washing hair and just giving me so much relationship advice that's how I birthed he could be faithful um along with my grandmother like they was real true inspirations for that and my second inspiration is a woman in the beauty industry named Danessa Merricks um Y'all got to know Danessa Merricks. Danessa Merricks is like, I'm talking about bomb, y'all. When it comes to makeup, I met her um, in Atlanta, which is funny. I met her at a Bonner Brothers convention in Atlanta. And I remember taking one of her classes. So I would always do all the VIPs. I had to get classes. I'm a forever learner. So I took one of her classes. And she was talking about how she started doing makeup. But she started doing makeup her first gig. She didn't even have what she needed to get it done. And I remember identifying with her because I was like, oh, my goodness, I did the same thing with, um, you know, doing eyelashes. I told the girl I could do eyelashes, had never done them before. All I did was I seen them done, and I knew that I could imitate what the girl did. And I put them on with a broomstick. Like, the girl was from South Philly. Like, it was like a, a literally a dirty broomstick. Broke a piece off and put her lashes on with it. Don't ask me why I did that job. But they was on. And she went to that Lil' Kim concert and she was fly. But <laughs> Danessa Merricks, when I tell you this lady was so inspirational to me, she said she didn't even have everything that she needed, but she knew that she could get the job done. And she put that girl makeup on with her fingers and she still does it to this day. And I'm talking about she done made millions now. She could afford every Morphe brush or Anastasia, whatever you want. She's still using her fingers. I'm like, it just it just inspired me so much because I don't think we realize that we have everything that we need. Like, we're not missing nothing that we need for our purpose. We got everything that we need. Like, every we came with every gift inside of us. Like, every anointing, everything that's perfect about us, we got everything that we need. We're we not lacking nothing. We just got to find it. You know what I mean? So, shout out to Danessa Merrick. Danessa Merrick really brought that out of me. And just seeing her, you know, in her element and having so much, you know, confidence in herself that, hey, I'm going to go here and I'm going to execute. I don't care. You know who doing what? This is what it is. So my my tip of the week for the beauty side behind the scenes is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Y'all hear me? That's that scripture too. Like you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Like everything about you is perfect. I can remember on, see, I'm about to get all choked up, y'all. <laughs> I can remember in my beauty journey, right? Like I remember being younger and I was like a latchkey kid and my mom she worked all the time like shout out to her but she she worked all the time so she would work seven to three then three to eleven 
Then she, sometimes she'd have to cover 11 or 7. Like, she just was always going. And I was subjected to so much. Like, I ain't going to share that in this episode because the Lord is still helping me with that part. But the part that I will share in terms of beauty is that I remember putting on so much weight. Me and my girlfriend, Sincere, um, at the time, we used to go inside a Super Fresh. And literally, because we had money, I would buy, like, 10 boxes of Lunchables. This is My son cannot touch a Lunchable. Y'all hear me? My son cannot touch. I have never bought, like, quick and easy stuff for my son to make, like. <laughs> and what's funny is, because I just was talking about this with my girlfriend. My son is low-key bougie. He don't eat peanut butter and jellies, none of that. Like, I never did the quick meals because of what happened to me in my childhood. So I think that that's, you know, certain stuff that happened behind the scenes when we kids, we don't realize how it manifests in our adult life. But when I was a kid, I bought all of these Lunchables, not knowing that from fourth grade, from fourth grade going into fifth grade, I had jumped up six dress sizes. The amount of sodium that was in the Lunchable back then, I think it was like, 1200 or 1600 milligrams of sodium I was knocking off like three and four lunchables a day so literally when I went back to my doctor um going into fifth grade he said it was almost like somebody just pumped me up with an air pump like my face was like so super swollen and I just couldn't realize I'm like dad oh my goodness just from eating lunchables like four times a day don't get y'all kids that I'm sorry I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a lunchables um fan because of what it did to me. And it took me so long to get off that weight. Like, it took me so long. I can remember being, but I think by the time ninth, 10th grade came, where I started kind of, like, shutting some of the pounds. Like, I think I got down to, I remember I was 197. Like, I was, that was, like, a good size for me from, from 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, like, those, my middle school years, but here's the thing, it didn't affect my relationships, like, I didn't get, like, super teased or nothing like that, because I, you know, I, I could dress, and I was kind, and, you know, I had money, and stuff like that, so I didn't really have those types of issues, but in my mind, I'm like, how did I get like this, like, I felt like I was trapped, because I went from being such a small frame girl to, now I'm big as Broad Street, <laughs> So it really just really affected me mentally with my with my beauty. And as I got older, I didn't realize that I needed healing from that. Like I used to, after my son, Saya, was born, I had literally had like a mental bulimia. Like I used to look at myself in the mirror and be like, girl, you, do, you don't deserve to eat. <laughs> like today you can't have nothing to eat. You might as well just walk away from the refrigerator. You is big, like a whole body dysmorphia, like a whole issue with the way I looked. And granted, I wasn't going to the bathroom sticking my finger down my throat and throwing up, but I just hated the way that I looked. So when I got into my adult life after Saya, most of my friends, they was looking like, Dad, you got super skinny. You got super, yeah, that's because I was walking by the refrigerator like, girl, you don't deserve to have not a near meal. And all I was doing was walking run into the gym so my adult life I was snatched you know so I, I thank God for the thickness that it put on me and I was able to you know kind of shift it around so it gave me some butt and some legs and you know a little bit of that and um I thank God that my stomach was never really big so 
because I wasn't really meant to be a big girl. Like, I just put on all of this fluff around me. It was true, like, baby fat on me. But my journey and beauty is, is so much behind the scenes that we go through as women, even as men. Like, men struggle, too. Like, shout out to the brothers because I love my men. Like, we all go through. We go through so much as humans, just people that with our confidence and with our beauty and just how we feel about ourselves, how we esteem ourselves, our confidence is so much just behind the scenes that we go through, y'all. And we're going to make it. You understand? <laughs> Greater is coming for us. Like, this is a season that I feel like, like I said, this is the benefits of growth and healing that I'm even able to sit here and talk to y'all and do this podcast. Like, so I know if God did it for me, he's going to do it for y'all. Like, so if he in my neighborhood, he'd ride down the street from y'all. He right around the corner from you. So that's just, you know, talking about, you know, some of those things. But my next topic that I want to talk to you all about, and then I'm going to head on out, okay, because my throat is dry and I'm hungry. (laughs) But my next topic that I want to talk about to you all real quick is just talking about first two people that really inspire me in my faith, in my faith walk. The first person is my late bishop, right? My Shout out to Bishop Todd, um, Christ Haven, family, um, always be family, um, because everything is, a, is, is just a process. But my bishop, I was, this man, I'm, I'm going to get into that, y'all, right? But he, he blessed me so much. I remember logging on to my Facebook, and somebody was like, who that, your uncle back there? I was like, no, that's my bishop. He passed away. But it was like, oh, you still got him up there? I'm like, yeah, no, he ain't. I don't even think I'm going to take it down. You know, but that's that's him. That's Bishop Todd. So y'all go like the picture or something. It's in my profile right in the back. But, you know, talking about, even talking about him, it's just like that experience. I love experiences in life, like I told y'all, right? So, the next person, it's not even a person, it's just, a, it's more like a thing. It, it was really the word of God. So I, y'all remember when I told y'all my uncle, Eric, you know, he, he gave me the power of positive thinking at 10 years old. But in addition to that, he also would pay me to read the Bible. So he would literally give me the Bible. Y'all remember them little pocket-sized Bibles, like the little ones, they were coming like orange and brown and black. He would give me the Bible And he would say, read this chapter. And then by the time I got to the end of the chapter, it might have been a $20 bill in there. Or sometimes it would even be a $50 bill. Like, my uncle was a lawyer, so don't be like, wow, that was a lot of money. Like, for him, it wasn't. Because back then, he he was an Esquire lawyer. So, he would put money inside the book. And the first scripture that he had me memorize was Psalms 91. I had to memorize the whole entire thing. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, and I was like... When I got older, I didn't realize how it was all a part of the process, right? So that's something that really inspired me. So I can't say it's a person, but it was more like a thing, like the word of God. You know, God himself inspired inspired me because understanding that scripture, it was like I was in a a shelter because he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. Abiding under the shadows, that means that God has put you in a shelter. And if y'all read the Amplified Version, Y'all know I'm saved, right? <laughs> so if y'all read the Amplified version, it talks about how you are in a shelter that no foe, nobody could ever come up against you. Like he has protected you. So I feel like my uncle purposely did that so I could have like a shield around me 
you know what I mean, throughout my life. Like, I can remember, I'll, you know, matter of fact, let me let me just give y'all my tip real quick because I, I feel like I'm about to go into my story and I'm going to miss y'all tip <laughs> for the day. So y'all tip for this week and for today is I just want you to relax. Okay, just relax. It's all a part of the process. Y'all feel me? Relax. It's all a part of the process. And I want to give y'all a scripture too because I'm saved. Scripture is all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So I want y'all to know that everything that you have gone through, whether it was in your childhood, whether it was in your adulthood, whether it's while you're in the present moment right now, whatever it is that you're going through, trust that it's all a part of your process. I look back on my story now and I say, oh, my goodness, it starts to make sense, y'all. You know, it'd be like, Dag, that's why I did that. Dag, that's why they ain't work out. Dag, that's why she left. Dag, you know what? I realized that's why they ain't here no more. I realized that's why I needed to move from so-and-so. I realized that's exactly what I needed to be at that particular time. It's all a part of the process. Y'all feel me? So really just, I can remember back with my Uncle Edward, like I was about to say before I get y'all a tip, I was facing seven and a half to 15 years in a federal penitentiary, y'all. And I can remember driving around with my girlfriends, and I was thinking, Anthony Hamilton coming from where I'm from. <laughs> and I know that's crazy because that song is like, sometimes you got to walk alone, listen, coming from where I'm from. And I just knew I was going to jail. <laughs> I knew I was going to jail. I had done some things that I, I should not have done. And I was like, I'm going to jail. And I remember him giving me a loan. Because the feds is different, y'all. They not like, you know, regular police. They going to call you on the phone or they going to come and visit you. <laughs> so when they came, they was like, listen, either you give us the bread back or, um, well, they ain't say the bread. I'm just paraphrasing. They was like, either you, either you give us the money back <laughs> or, you know, we going to be back. And I was like, what am I going to do? I owe this money. And I remember he gave me the money and he wrote me a letter and he was like, listen, you know, promise that you'll do, you know, these things. Promise that you'll never do this again. And I was supposed to pay him the money back. I, I didn't, I didn't give, I didn't, you know what? That's revelation. I didn't give him the money back. <laughs> that was a lot of revelation, y'all. I did not pay him that money back. I should, you know what? I should give Uncle Edward his money back. <laughs> I got to get that man his money. See, that was revelation. I told y'all this is a benefit of my growth and healing, okay? So the Lord is bringing things to my remembrance. I owe that man money. But he promised me some things not to do again, and I didn't do them again. Y'all follow me? So I wasn't putting my life in jeopardy after that. After that, I got pregnant with my son, too. Shout out to Saeed. He saved my life. So <laughs> I really owe that man money. I owe him money. Yep. I don't got the paper no more, so I don't know how much it is. Should I give him, like, a love offering? I don't know. Y'all help me out because I don't remember the dollar amount. But listen, <laughs> my Bishop Todd, right, I was Muslim for 11 years. Let me back up some, right? I am a preacher's kid. My mother's father was a pastor in Baltimore, Maryland, right? My whole family is from Baltimore. I'm the only person born in, in Philadelphia, by the way. My brother's from Baltimore, I'm the only person born in Philly, so I didn't have no grandma up there on the street, cousin around the corner, none of that. 
everybody that I had was like fake family. You know, I'd be like, that's my cousin, that's my sister, that's, that's all I had. <laughs> I ain't had nobody else. But anyway, I was Muslim for 11 years. Coming up in the church, literally five years old, walking myself to church in my cute little pink dress. Nobody had to go and tell me to see about Jesus. I was on my way. You understand? Even when my mom had backslid for a little while, like not like backslid like that because she was still a psychologist to some of my friends' parents. But I'm talking about like, you know, she wasn't following Christ how she was how I was used to seeing her do. And I remember still going to church. Like, I remember still showing up for Operation Clean Sweep, for drill team, for choir rehearsal, for every function that was happening, movie night, skate night, this, that, Christian campers, this, that. I was knee-deep in the church, like all the ministries. You could find me there. I used to be on the pulpit every Thursday Sunday doing the announcements and all of that, you know, singing solos and can't sing. They would call me up. Because they knew I was dedicated. To, the Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Okay, so mine was joyful. It wasn't It wasn't melodious or nothing. It was just joyful. But I'm telling y'all, I grew up in the Word. Left the Word at 14. From 14 for 11 years after that. Y'all hear me? Till I was 25, I was Muslim. So I went from going to church every day. Let me tell y'all how dumb I was. I went to school, walked home from West Philadelphia High School. If y'all know 52nd and Market Street, right? Back in the day, all the Muslims was out there. They were selling Timberlands and Muslim oils and sneakers. <laughs> Walking by there, somebody was going to take their Shahada. Y'all feel me? That was like a trend back in 1998, 1999. Somebody was taking their Shahada that day. Like they was going to either put the oil on your wrist you was either going to go home with some, with some trees that might have fell apart at the soul the next day or you was taking your shahada. Like, that was your three options if you wanted to walk down 52nd and Market Street. So, mine's in 1999 was I took my shahada. And I'm such an extremist or, a, like, I used to be, like, such a perfectionist that I I took it so far, y'all. Like, I used to be in the masjid all the time. Like, anybody who know me, I used to teach talimas. I done caused so many people to take shahada. Like, I, I, I wanted to... Um, learn the Saeed Bukhari and the Thalatu Yusu and the Tawheed and all of this. Like, I was just, that was my whole thing. Like, I used to sit in my room and I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, if I could become a scholar, maybe if I, because I'm an educator, I'm a natural born teacher. So I remember sitting in my room trying to learn all 286 ayats. Well, ayat is like a verse. Like, you know how we say verse in the Bible? I, that's what an ayat is in the Quran. And I remember sitting in my room, and I was like, oh, I want to learn all 286 ayats of Surah Al-Baqarah, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I wouldn't even speak. I wouldn't even talk to people if they wore Nike sneakers. I used to be like, you serve the God of air on your feet. You are in, <laughs> like, you need to be corrected. You know what I mean? Like, I can't even talk to you because you're worshiping somebody else on your feet. You know, remove yourself. Like, that's how deep I started to get. And I just remember that journey. I, I identify it now as being, like, my faith walk. It was a part of everything that I needed. That was like my wilderness experience. Like that was where I was in that shelter where 
I picked up so much discipline. Because not for nothing, y'all, shout out to my Muslims. I identify with y'all because I know what and why y'all believe. But I'm telling you, get into this word, man. But listen, that's another topic. But I'm telling y'all, having that process, it was everything tied in together. When I met my bishop, this man... For some reason, like, God had literally called me back himself because he knew I was such a a strong Muslim that it would literally have to take him to speak to me. So just just wrapping this up, y'all, I remember being in a hair salon. I was doing hair at Unique Appeal on 58th and Market. I used to live upstairs on top of this hair salon. And I remember um, the owner, she was running late, and one of her clients – Needed to be shampooed. So I'm all like, let me go shampoo her client. You know, you help out in the, in the salon. It's all about a team, you know. So I took her client back to the bowl, and I shampooed her client. I'm shampooing her client. I'm like, yeah, Toya, you know what you do? And she was like, I print Bibles. And I was like, you print Bibles? That's like a real job? She was like, yeah, in a factory. And I started thinking to myself, well, yeah, how else are books made, right, in a factory? So I'm like, oh, okay. So I was like, you think you could get me one? And I remember thinking to myself, like, what do you need a Bible for, girl? <laughs> Like, you a whole Muslim, what you need to buy before. And and she was like, well, why you need? I was like, just, you know, just so I can read it. Or, you know, I was like, I just want to see. So she left. She came back two weeks later. And she came back with a little black poppy store bag, y'all. Like, she put the Bible in, like, a poppy store bag. She didn't give me no cute bag or nothing like that. And she wrapped it up and she slid it to me. So I literally went home and... I felt like I was in a never-ending story. I don't know if y'all old enough to remember that movie, but it was like this little boy, Sebastian. He was like reading the Bible, but he he was reading this story, and he felt like he was a part of the story. Like, that's how I felt. So God literally had to sweep me on his own. But him sweeping me at the time, my my boyfriend at the time, he was, just, you know, kind of in the streets, out the streets. He had a lot of money. I never asked him what he did for a living. I just knew he had money. And, you know, you don't get in men's business. So <laughs> he, I, it was a Saturday night. And I was like, listen, I want to go to church tomorrow. He was like, all right, bet. He was like, well, you know, can we go to my old church? And I was like, bet, let's go. Went to his old church, which was my late bishop's church, Bishop Todd Crichthaven. And this was in Upper Darby back then. And I remember walking into the sanctuary, y'all, and they were singing this song, Lord, I'm Available to You. And I remember that being a song that when I went to church as a kid, that was like one of my favorite songs. And I'm like, what is the odds of that? So I just just raised up my hands and I was like, Lord, I emptied out my cup so that you could fill me up, God. Like, please come into my life. And I remember standing up the whole service, like <laughs> in the back row, standing up the entire service. I could not move like this man was preaching directly to me. And when I got, we had moved the church to into like a bigger sanctuary. And when I got to actually meet him, y'all, I go up and this this is back my snatch body. This wasn't my my um my seventh my seventh grade body. This is my snatch body. So I had on some high waist tights and a baby tee. You know, my stomach flat, boobs sitting up, butt going. It's a Friday night. <laughs> and I look back on it. I get to the service and my outfit really didn't click to me. It was just like, okay, I'm here on a Friday night. I could be at the club, but I'm here. So I go up to the altar and I go on the altar, y'all, get on my knees and pray with my butt to the congregation. Lord, help us today. My butt is 50 inches, y'all. I get up there. (laughs) I get up there to the altar. Get on my knees and pray. Immediately after service, 
Bishop and his wife, they come over to me. And Mother Todd, God rest her soul, too, she was so sweet. So she's holding his hand. She's walking up with him. And he, he said to me, he was like, praise the Lord, daughter. He was like, how are you? You know, welcome. You know, he was like, I want you to be my spiritual daughter. And I'm like, oh, great. And Mother Todd was like, yeah, uh, we would love for you to be our spiritual daughter. Don't you know this man threw her right under the bus? He was like, tell her what you said about her. And she looked over, she looked over like, like that. you just, and walked away. He said, tell her what you said about her and left her there, me and her face to face now. Like, I'm like, well, what'd you say? <laughs> she was like, well, you know, she was like, she, Mother Todd was like a real mild mannered person. So she was like, well, you know, um, like I could, she probably was thinking like, why would this man just leave me here with this girl <laughs> to explain what I was talking to her about? So she like, well. Uh, you know, if you could, um, you know, uh, wear something, you know, uh, a little looser to church. And I was, I remember being instantly offended. I'm like, that's not why I came here. I said, listen, I could be someplace else right now. I was like, but I came here to praise God. I came here to focus on God. And she was like, yes, yes. She was like, that's it. She's like, maybe we can help the brothers. <laughs> focus on God too she was like so if you wear something looser that'll keep all the attention on God and I was like you know what this lady is saved for real because she done brought that back on home and made me realize that the focus is on God and not on your booty so help the brothers stay focused on on the Lord so mind you he must have knew how long it was going to take his wife to explain so he started walking back over and he gave me what we call like a Pentecostal handshake. He had money already wrapped up in his hand. And he put the money in my hand and he closed my hand. And I remember thinking to myself, I said, this place, not only did they righteously correct me, they gave me a solution. So it, I felt like it was done in love. I felt like you ain't just talk about me. Yeah, y'all had your little sidebar conversation. But you had a solution for me. Like, you really wanted to see me different. You really wanted to see me, you know, sure, come as you are, but just don't stay as you are. You know, and I took that as a place that was going to love me because that's how I would do my child. That's how I would do, you know, somebody who, you know, I love and care about. Like, listen, I'm going to tell you about yourself, but I'm also going to give you a little solution, too, so we all good. And from that day forward, I had I had so much respect for this man, so much admiration for him. Shout out to Bishop Ty. I know you in heaven giving him a crazy praise break every single day. But listen, y'all, this thing right here, trust the process. Trust the process. Everything that we are experiencing in this life, we just got to trust the process. Have confidence in yourself. Don't let nobody's words shape who you are. Understand that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You understand? And this, your experience is what qualifies you. The minute somebody asks you, oh, who are you to start a podcast? Who are you to start a business? No, my experience qualifies me. I can remember a friend of mine asked me on a track. We was walking around St. Joe's, and when I was coming out with He Can Be Faithful, shout out to He Can Be Faithful. Y'all put that up on the screen because they need to go buy that. He Can Be Faithful. You understand? <laughs> it's on sale. Relationship How To God. I was walking around the track, and I remember he was like, oh, it's a relationship book? He's like, well, what makes you an expert? And I remember I had stopped writing for a whole month just because he asked me that. And I felt like I didn't have an answer because I was like, well, yeah, what makes me an expert? But then I thought, what the heck make anybody an expert? Like, who just, who makes experts? 
Like, no, your experience is what qualifies you. Your experience is, is it makes you an expert. I've gone through this. I've done it. I've seen it. I've lived it. Yeah, I'm an expert. Okay? Yeah. So you guys are experts. <laughs> I want you to know that. Your experience is what qualifies you. Like, God, he, he, don't, he, he qualified a call. You understand? You ain't got to come with the qualifications already. Your process is, is what's going to get y'all here. And listen, it's so much beauty behind the scenes. It's so much God behind the scenes. So much love behind the scenes. This this life is waiting on y'all. That's all I want to tell y'all for today. This is my very first podcast episode. I love y'all. As y'all know, I say hashtag I love everybody. Y'all hear me? I love everybody. Live out your dreams. Live out your purpose. And sometimes your purpose is just so happen to be attached to money. But I want y'all to chase that purpose. You understand? Chase serving. Chase loving. Chase the habit of healing. You understand? Chase this. It's so much beauty behind the scenes. This is your girl, Kalai Shireen. Dropped the first episode today. Y'all, I'm clapping for myself. You understand? I love y'all. I love everybody. And stay tuned for the next episode. I'm going to be right back here with y'all. I love y'all. Catch y'all again. <laughs>